Cardology is now presented by Sardine, and I couldn't be more excited. You'll get to meet their founder, Soups, and some of the team later this quarter, and you'll hear a bit more about why they've caught the attention of some of the smartest fraud leaders I know throughout crypto, fintech, financial services, and e-commerce. Thanks again to Sardine for supporting this episode of Fraudology. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this week's Thursday episode of the Fraudology podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. I've heard from many of you that Tuesday's episode was really insightful, and today you'll get to hear Deshauna and I tie it all together and talk more about how this specific group or organization, we don't really have a name for them. I did ask the retailer group just kind of to have some levity the other day in one of our messaging groups. Hey, what should we call them? And one retailer said that they call them internally the manipulators because they will manipulate every a situation that they can. And sometimes they'll even see them try to hit the back button at just the right point or, you know, fill things up. They're really trying to manipulate the systems. My idea was shapeshifters because I think one of the most novel things that I've seen as understanding this bigger picture is just how they have so many different tools in their fraud toolbox, so to speak, where they may start with account takeover on stored cards. If there are certain roadblocks put in place, then they'll quickly move to other things, whether it's account takeovers on other payment methods, or they'll move to new account fraud. And sometimes it's triangulation, as Shoshana and I talked about last week. Other times they're shipping to reshipping mules in specific parts of the U.S. that often are port cities where that merchandise will most likely be shipped overseas. Sometimes they'll do gift card fraud in purchasing or redemption. I mean, there's just so many different aspects, but there are certain core things that we can identify in kind of the metadata, so to speak, that ties them all together. I promise, I at least I really hope that I'm not blowing the cyber portion, but I have had many people gut check me, including the brilliant Shoshana Marini on this along the way, as well as you know, 40 or 50 plus retailers who are all saying, no, these are all tied together. This is all the same core group. And one of the bigger things that we talk about on today's episode is how this group has been able to scale. And I'm going to give a warning, especially if anyone's an empath like I am. It's a disturbing topic. One of the hindrances of why triangulation fraud and retail reshipping fraud and organized retail theft has not been at a massive scale is because bots are often detected. And so you need humans and it can only take so much time. But if you have a large group of humans that you can train, you can scale very quickly. The one advantage to the detection side is that often those humans are being trained on the same core principles. And so there are patterns when people are trained in a similar way. Patterns of behavior, patterns of information, patterns of different things like that. The way I'm almost looking at this is like there's a tier one, tier two, and tier three analyst or group where this is kind of the easier fraud, but then we escalate and we move on. And then I think I think of it as there being like a research and development team where they are looking at things to exploit. One of the other things is how they're adapting not only to each retailer's defenses, but they're starting to target solution providers that, ret- that retailers rely on. Uh, when I got a specific call on Black Friday letting me know about something that occurred uh, targeting a specific retailer, I was instantly reminded of something similar that happened back in 2013 or 14 uh, when I worked for the Trade Association and was advised that one of the core transaction monitoring services at the time, and they're no longer in business now, not just because of this. I think they were acquired and other companies moved on. But anyway, that they suffered a similar attack or a similar outage as this one that was reported recently. I'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute. And I remember thinking at the time, oh my gosh, this is the wave of something new. If they're starting to target the solution providers behind the ones that allow merchants to identify suspicious activity and fraudulent transactions, then we're really in trouble. But that didn't happen again, to my knowledge. And I think a lot of that is solution providers, for the most part, have been you know very thoughtful about 
their you know SOC to compliance and other types of security, as well as the companies that they let in as customers, right? Once they let companies in on their API in it within their quote unquote environment, then it's because I think of that, because of technology adapting on the cybersecurity side and everyone understanding the strength. But I also think it's because for the most part, fraud rings have just been targeting the merchants themselves, just that front layer. They haven't really had someone or a team of people think, huh, what if we attack down there? Now, we know from a cybersecurity perspective that supply chain attacks are very common. One of the most well-known ones to me, and I'm sure there are several for cybersecurity people, but is the Target breach, right? When Target stores, not online, but in stores, when they're credit card numbers were exposed from the POS terminals in November, December of 2013, it wasn't because Target didn't have top of the line security. It was actually because of an HVAC vendor that had an opening into their network and there wasn't segregated access based on vendors within the network. So even though an HVAC vendor would only meet certain parts of the system at the time, the system was set up so that once you're in, you're in all the way. Uh, supply chain issues, I think, are now going to become a thing of the future for fraud prevention. And I say that knowing that there are a lot of solution providers that listen to this podcast. So I really want to stress how important it is for you guys to make sure that your SOC compliance and that your cybersecurity are really top notch. You're not just hiring some Joe Schmo, as they say, and you know who's checking the boxes, the requirements, but really testing every piece more now more than ever. This all of this is happening at this group. It's going to keep happening. I mean, if it works, they'll keep doing it right, and they'll keep doubling down and tripling down. So here are a couple ways that I've seen them target solution providers in the last like four to six weeks. For instance, they seem to be testing what third-party domains. So this is particular to core fraud solutions like transaction monitoring systems, case management systems, whatever you may call kind of that first core solution provider that helps with assessing risk with internal information, external information, et cetera. Um, And this came from a solution provider that has really unique insight into the customer journey and how what things are done on the website prior to checkout. So they seem to be testing what third-party domains and scripts they can get away with blocking. It's almost like they're peeling away the site to reduce visibility into what they're doing. So this includes peeling away JavaScript. They're essentially trying to make it so that they can be hidden to JavaScript and JavaScript can't pull out any of the information from their transaction. Knowing which solution providers rely heavily on obtaining data from their merchants via JavaScript they've been able to greatly impact the performance of those solutions. So the API still works, but the responses won't be as strong or as detailed. And oftentimes it's, they're really peeling away the pieces that would possibly indicate that they're a fraudulent order or a fraudulent, you know, or a bad actor. Additionally, over Black Friday, and this is what I just referenced a minute ago, and a little bit on Cyber Monday, not as bad though, at least two solution providers that a high number of retailers and online merchants rely on for verification purposes were targeted, causing multiple outages throughout the day. I can and will say only so much, but based on a variety of factors, the working theory of many companies that I've been in touch with is that this is connected to this very large group that is targeting retail relentlessly right now. You can, there's a lot of things you can tell. Now, granted, the third party providers have the data of who attacked them, but you can tell based on what orders went through and what identifiers were bypassed, et cetera. It's really quite smart, if not in incredibly terrifying. You know, using a real world example, and this is just kind of an analogy, so to speak, or just a metaphor. I don't know which one. <laughs> it's been a long week, guys. Sorry. Just kind of using a real world example. If a criminal, like if they're a bank robber, for instance, right? 1950s movie version of a bank robber. Well, I guess 1950s isn't going to work with the rest of this. But you know, if it's somebody who's wanting to rob, rob a bank, right? And they realize that they keep getting caught because of the GPS or location services in their phone, but they can't turn it off in their phone directly. Maybe they try to find a way to have the GPS system go down to have that not work just long enough for them to commit a crime and not be tracked and to go undetected until they steal the items that they want. And that's really what we're seeing. And that's one of the biggest reasons why this is so terrifying. The other is that they're adapting so quickly and they're morphing. And so we can't just say, okay, this is the one MO. The report I drafted over the weekend where this is their first preference, but then second, third, first, and if not that, this, like it's just, it's complex. But 
you know, several things are really clear as we keep learning more about this group and their capabilities. They're changing the game and I calling fraud a game, it kind of makes it sound light. But I also try to stay away from warfare analogies, though it does feel like somebody on that side read the art of war, that's for sure. Everything is really changing. The companies, both on the merchant and the solution provider side that have been continually adapting and continually, you know, research and development and really trying to be adaptable and identify as much as they can are the ones on the front line of this that are catching more. Unfortunately, we on the good side cannot move as fast as the bad side, right? There's so many factors into changing processes and policies and solution providers and all of that. So there are a couple of like quick fix solutions or not solutions, but quick fix suggestions that have helped a little bit. But really, it it just really shows we all have to step up for our game. None of us can really like get complacent or apathetic towards fraud prevention because the stakes are higher than ever. Another thing I learned from just a very smart solution provider is this term dollar milkshake. I didn't know much about it at all. And I said, what? What does that mean? I guess it's a 4X term from the crypto side. But really, it means that because of the stagnant economies in other parts of the world, whether that's because of COVID or geopolitical unrest, the U.S. dollar has more strength outside of the U.S. So for people to earn or steal money from the U.S. and take it overseas to other areas, whether that's in Southeast Asia or you know Eastern Europe, et cetera, it has way more value. So there's more of an incentive for there to just be an all-out war. There's probably some other reasons too, but those are the bigger ones. That's one that I've heard that could really factor in on why this is happening. Obviously, Shoshana and I talk about how the holidays are also a factor. They know that there's an endless number of consumers who want a good deal, especially with you know the impacts on the economy here in the U.S. I think understanding that they're even worse in other parts of the world, this is impacting. That's why so many want to steal from us. In addition to changing the name, the game, they know more about us than we know about them. It's clear they've been studying us for 18 to 24 months. There's real evidence of that now in hindsight, but no one could have guessed that that's what it meant. They have multiple capabilities all in-house, making them much harder to track via dark web or criminal chant forums. They're not buying other services. They're not buying lists from people. They have everything in-house. And as Shoshana says in Tuesday's episode or this one, they're all building off of each other's strengths and learning from each other and crossing it over. Whereas a lot of times we'll say this is fraud's job, this is cybersecurity, or this is the in-store versus the online, or we have to have different teams in different sectors to be organized, but they don't care about that, right? They also don't care. This is account takeover. This is new account fraud. This is that. All the terms we use, they don't care. They'll mix and match all they want, especially if they can find a vulnerability in between the two or mixing up the method. You know, their ability to manipulate and change fraud tactics quickly is extremely sophisticated. I mean, I was texting with Frank McKenna over the weekend, as well as several other people that I know listen to this podcast and others within the industry, and either to gather information or provide information. It was kind of both ways in many cases. I told Frank, I was like, you know, I honestly feel like this is, if you or I ever lost our moral compasses and, you know, kind of our our conscience, our good conscience, essentially, like, this is probably something that we would put together. I mean, it's something that someone with a decade's worth of fraud prevention and knowledge and experience would probably, it, it's similar to what we would create. We would know, go after, find out who the solution providers are and find those weaknesses, figure out how they do things, go have multiple capabilities so that you can quickly adapt, scale as quickly as you can and just inundate them, right? Don't forget about the volume. If these were just a handful of orders a day on each site, that'd be one thing, but they continue to hit multiple online retailers in various channels with hundreds of thousands of orders a day. And that's in addition to all the other fraud that we know is going to happen during this time of year. Refund fraud, promo code abuse is rampant, as well as payment fraud and others. So while this is targeting online retail right now, I have no doubt that other areas within e-commerce, marketplaces, fintechs, and banks and financial institutions will be targeted soon. Provided many examples of this over the years, I think on the podcast, but or when I speak in at events as well, that account takeover only started impacting a small group of merchants. We'd heard about it from the banking side, but not a ton. And then all of a sudden, online gaming just got hit real hard with account takeover. 
And over the last eight or nine years, now it's spread out into any area of e-commerce or fintech or banking or financial services where there's login information. Same with triangulation, like we talked about on Tuesday, right? It started in the travel and event ticketing space, but it quickly moved. So I'm afraid that this is going to happen as well. So even if you're like, eh, I'm not in retail right now, I still really suggest that you listen to the rest of Shoshana and I's conversation. So that's why it's so important for me to have Shoshana on Fraudology. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think I liked the second half better than the first, but We'll find out what you guys think as well. You know, to help everyone in the industry as a whole be aware of what others are experiencing. And, and that's why it was so important to have Shoshana on Fraudology again. For us to really talk this through from different perspectives and share as much information as we can on a podcast to help the industry as a whole be aware of what others are experiencing and really to warn everyone that it's important that we all need to stay vigilant, nimble, and aware all the threats to your company, as well as work together. There is no way I would have any of this information and certainly not as much information if I didn't already have such an incredible network of people, as well as a group of retailers that trust me and reaches out to me and says, hey, this is different. This is weird. And then we just go from there. So with that, I'll let you listen in on this second and like I said, I think my favorite part of this conversation with Shoshana, there is some pretty depressing content in the middle, but I do think it's really important for everyone to understand how much this is evolving and how high the stakes are now in online fraud. All right. I look forward to speaking with you more next week. But I think because you're obviously completely right about this. I think that brings us back to why collaboration is really essential to be successful in combating the scale leading to the preparation and the efficiency and the sheer complexity of this type of fraud. Like if you're you're having the situation where you're like, well, clearly been scoping us out for months and you know they know how our processes work and they have a multi-step process for like, okay, if this didn't work, we're going to try this next. We're going to try this yes. next. And which you can do because you've got multiple teams because you have slaves working for you. Yeah. And they don't have anywhere to go and they're working long hours and there's right. no overhead for the organization because they're getting mm -hmm. the items for free on mostly American credit cards right now, but it could change. I mean, though PSD2 and, and all of that has, and SCA has helped your side of the ocean, the Atlantic oh, Ocean a lot better. It's primarily US yep. this one. I, I think that's Interesting. a big part of it. Yeah, hey, it's not the only one, but I think that is a big part of it. But given also, that situation, yeah, you need yeah, to be telling each other yes. what you're seeing and what works. Otherwise, you're just going to take too long to put the pieces together yourself. Well, and to your point, right? Like the reason why they're so successful is because they are collaborating, because yeah. they are all working together, because all of the pieces are feeding together and having, oh, hey, we got this piece of information over here or we already used this person's social security number, but we have their credit card. Why don't you go put it over here? Like they've got all of these pieces, you know, or the cybersecurity side has hacked somewhere or breached somewhere and they give all the data to the monetization side. You know, they all have to work together and they all don't have a choice to work together because they can't leave. And so unfortunately, when survival is your only choice, you're going to have to try to get good at it. And it's just, it's so infuriating how they're scaling and why. But at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, I don't want to take full credit on this. I just think I'm like, you know, the common denominator, or like the middle of the wheel that everybody kind of came to about this all around the same time. I did reach out to a couple of people saying, hey, I've talked to your peers. Have you heard about this too? Oh, yeah. We just thought we were the only ones, right? And so How what lonely I, would that be? Oh my gosh, there's so many of them. And, and I've still had, by posting it on LinkedIn the other day, had about 10 or 11 other large retailers. I just haven't had the bandwidth to reach out to everyone and be like, oh, are you seeing this? Are you seeing that? It's just more like, I'm just trying to hold it together while also doing my actual client work and my billable <laughs> hours and all that. And being a mother and whatever else. Well, my daughter was actually out of the country for a week. So that helped with that piece. But still, and it's a lot, but I love it. And I'll like wake up at two in the morning and go, oh my gosh, that piece is connected to this piece because of this. So really at the end of the day, the way that we like came to all this and we'll be talking, I am going to talk about the different tactics in a minute, just high level, right? going to give details on this call. If someone, if you are listening and you are a retailer and any of these things sound very familiar, you can reach out to me or my assistant um, at info at chargelyticsconsulting.com. I'll put it all in the show notes. 
and we can get you. I put together a five-page report on this, but I'm trying to be as protective of this as possible because once this gets out anywhere, then we lose our competitive advantage. And I also want to protect the merchants who have shared, hey, we found this one thing that helped us find it. And other people are frantically writing it down. But at the same time, I think it's critical. So it took me a little bit to realize that the first issue, the account takeovers, thinking it was due to a data breach and all of that, was connected to this second wave. There are some very strong through lines that make it clear now that it is. And I've also verified it with a couple of solution providers, as they can see, they also have a 10,000 foot view, right? But they have the 10,000 foot view with data. I'm just having the 10,000 foot view of like anecdotal and what people are telling me as far as like what the MO is. But then I'll say, oh, are they using this or are they doing that? Because it sounds similar to that. It's just a lot of putting it together. Well. I realized it last week. Oh, I think these might be related. And then when I talked to to solution providers, they were like, they absolutely are. And we've seen them adapt and morph to our system, right? We closed them down here. They weren't able to do the account takeovers anymore because we required CVV, right? If you're logging in from a different device or you have a different anything else we're going to require or you're changing the email address or whatever it is, we're going to require CVV when you want to use the card on file. So that changed the account takeover behavior. There's other pieces of it too, that they, some of these providers that were hit first and that identified it first, were able to say, okay, well, we're not going to let you do that anymore or this anymore. So then they changed again. Then they started to target different retailers. So now I had new retailers contacting me going, why is this happening all of a sudden? And I'm like, well, it was happening to those guys over there for a month. But it's happening to you now. And that's normal, right? Like that we expect to see. Oh, yeah, totally. ATO, cool. Okay, And these merchants have closed it down. Now they're moving on somewhere else. Yeah, usually it's just one. Oh, this is going to have a next stage. Yeah, I know. And I was having the hardest time trying to figure out how to put that in the report, right? I was like, tier one, tier two, like tactic one, tactic two, because this is obviously Mm -hmm. their preferred method. But then if this and this is put in, then that, then they'll go to this one. And they're really, it goes back to the zombie analogy that, you know, I've been talking about for eight, nine years now. You know, they're morphing and they're adapting, right? They're adapting to the tools that we have. They're morphing and they're regenerating. And, you know, if you picture in, it- In the where same they, attack now. Yes. The same people, the same attack. That is what's so crazy because you're right. Oftentimes we'll see, okay, one core fraud group. And they specialize in a certain kind of account takeover, right? Right. They specialize in credential stuffing. They specialize in malware, the ATO using malware so they can use the emulators and adapt and whatever. Once And they get really good at it. Yes. And they double down and then the merchant figures it out. And they move Yeah. And then they move on to the next one, right? But now we're seeing where if you imagine it as they first target merchants one through five, right? With Mm -hmm. tactic A. And then tactic A doesn't work anymore. So now they go to tactic B to merchants one through 10. And then they go, then they hit that as hard as they can until they can't do tactic B to some of those merchants. So now, I mean, I'm sure there's like a whiteboard somewhere or like a big board (laughs) somewhere that says like, no longer go with this one on this website, or if they use this provider, don't use that one, but go to this one because now it's all over the board. But I've seen about four very clear tactics. And then there's a couple variations for each of them based on the same group. And essentially they are, and I, I swear, I probably, to people listening who aren't like career fraud fighters and who may be on the solution provider side or her, who are just like curious or who are in AML or cybersecurity and are curious about fraud. Like, I'm afraid that I sound like a looney tune, but I swear I, I mean, maybe I, and, uh, I mean, like it's the uh, begin- it's it's like just after Black Friday. It's about to be Cyber Monday. This is a massive fraud attack that you've been helping coordinate prevention yeah, for for the last right? three weeks. I've watched just lean in cells is what you're saying. It to this point. I just can't look. I sound like, like a drug like crackpot, right? Like just conspiracy theory crackpot. But there's so much. Like the problem is, I can't and won't share the evidence and the details. And who said what, right? Because there's only so much we can say on a public platform. And I take the trust of the merchants who have participated on these calls where it is freaking magic, where it's like, okay, these are the core, these are the core identifiers that, you know, have come out so far. What is anyone else finding? 
oh, well, this device and that device, and they're doing this and they're doing that. Blah, blah, blah. Like, And there were several things that we were like, okay, you're the only one that says that. So we're going to put that over here, right? Like you're the only merchant in the 30 on the call that have seen all of this behavior go to an IP in that country. So we're not going to call that a trend. That's not enough, right? I've been doing this for a long time. It's kind of just an accidental skill I picked up when I worked for the trade association of working with merchants on specific identifying specific tactics and, and broad rings. So I kind of know the, you know, the pattern, right? So we talk about well, what we need to get all on the same page and understand that this is the same. There are enough of these core identifiers that are unique to these type of orders and to this fraud ring that we can safely say these are fraud and these are all attached to the same bad actors or the same group of bad actors. You really need that because people come in at all different times at the store. Yes. Like I heard about this like <sighs> back from the... Yeah. Don't even know what I'm supposed to be well, saying. Well, you were working with us. Yeah. Well, you were working with a client of yours, right? And you were, you know, understanding what they were seeing and and they shared a little bit and it was like, wow, was, that's clever. That's like data point based. And I was like, oh, that's, yes. ingenu that's ingenious. But it was that. Yes. And it wasn't the ATO side where right. somebody else coming into this is like, oh, well, these are the ATO guys, but they also do this, this and this. You wouldn't necessarily, if you didn't have a facilitator who was helping you see this, you wouldn't necessarily see, oh, these guys who are like clever with my data point, they're the same guys as the ATO guys. Because, yes. you know, normally that's not actually the case. No. No, not at all. And also, like zombies, they keep getting stronger and better at it, right? So they're learning mm. from a combination of all of our systems. So, and clearly on purpose. They did oh, a yeah. attack. It wasn't tiny, but they did a smaller attack first and they started before the holiday Over season. Over time. Yep. After the summer, but before the holiday mm -hmm. season, it built up. And they mm -hmm. only went nuts once they were really confident. And once it was the holiday period, they knew that it was going to be a difficult period for physical goods retailers anyway. Yep. Yeah, it's been the last two weeks that I have had, I mean, I'm sure I'll hit the 100 mark of retailers after this episode <laughs> goes out. And it's, yeah, it's kind of insane, but it's, they are all connected. We have very good reason to believe so because of some of the identifiers and data points, as well as the behavior. I know that some financial institutions have seen these guys before, but financial institutions have different detection systems that can sometimes be more advanced, also more expensive mm -hmm. than what e-commerce merchants can afford and, and justify. Now, I hope to see that changing after holiday 2022 because this is going to be brutal. But I, I mean, this has really leveled the playing field. Like I said earlier, like there is no better way to be able to measure up what fraud solution is going to adapt to the fraud of the future and which ones are better at just identifying the fraud of the past than one getting hit with an attack by a giant large organization that is powered by humans that are probably there against their will that can just work, you know, 18 hours a day and just pumping out thousands and thousands of orders on each website. And as they get an order declined, they're learning. Right. What did we do? How did we how did that happen? I'm sure there's like some brainiacs in a conference room somewhere. They're they're probably part of the organization and, and not the modern slavery piece where they're thinking, okay, how do we reverse engineer that? Just like how on the fraud prevention side, we look at how are they attacking us and how do we reverse engineer it to identify it? They're going the other way around. And they're definitely, you know, they might go away for a couple of days and then they come back. And they come back with a different tactic. So they start with ATO, but then they go to, you know, newer account fraud or guest checkout. And they're doing different things with payment methods and they're doing different things where it's going. And again, if triangulation is the main form of revenue, then the shipping addresses are all different. They also have a lot of organized places where they are receiving packages to ship overseas, whether that's a freight forwarder, whether that's residential reshippers. There are some core cities and states within the U.S. that have been part of that core piece of identifier. And when one of the solution providers, he works for a solution provider, but he's just brilliant. And you and I know several of them that are kind of the brain children. That if they're the reason why the solution provider is good. You know, we know a few of them. I'm lucky to have them as my phone a friend and I just only use them in case of massive emergency. And I was on the phone with one of them last Sunday afternoon. I was like, thank you so much. But I have a call on Monday with you know retailers trying to figure it out. He identified the nationality of this organization as well as a lot of the pieces based on some of the information that maybe was tied to the residents or the business that was being shipped. 
to. So there was the same nationality being of names registered, right? So they're like different things like that. But they really... I'm going to also call back to the organization, right? Like this is clearly set up well in advance. This is not like, oh, well, we'll we'll just, we'll find a fake broader. Right. we'll send to no. our location that we want like no this this is very well planned yeah and they're and even though the addresses are similar the shipping addresses and and the addresses that are receiving the items mail carriers will get them all to the same address they have found ways to be able to get around that in a lot of fraud systems mm-hmm. and this is where the adaptability of a fraud system is so important. And I mean, I knew, I've always known it's important and I've known, you know, why, because over time fraud changes, but this is like in three weeks, it's morphing so quickly. And some of these fraud systems have been able to keep up with each type of tactic and others are like, hey, hold on, can you guys just go back to doing this, this and this? Because we can catch that. Um, But they're finding ways to watching, Watching the ones who actually manage to catch up is like... Is an impressive dance. Like, it is. All credit to the people who are actually continuing to invest and double down because they're working as hard as merchants during this holiday season. And there is nothing, like there is no greater mm. praise that I can give at this yeah. point in time. A hundred percent. Yeah. They're the ones that care, right? And maybe they care more because they haven't been acquired yet or they haven't gone, you know, IPO yet or they, or they have, but they're, they care you know. because they can't bear to lose. Their they're acquisition. They're as bad as every other fraud analyst I know and just cannot bear that a fraudster should ever get well, one. Well, yes. Well, I was going to say, you know, like some of the cynics in us could say like, well, but I do know some that have been acquired, right? That are working just as hard because you're mm-hmm. right. They don't, they can't bear to lose. We cannot let them win. That's, I think, why it shocked me so much that that one fraud provider just kind of threw their hands in the air and were like, we don't know how to catch this. Like, it's too hard. What's wrong with you guys? There's no too hard. Why are you not accepted? When all, one of their merchant clients was like, wow, okay, it must be impossible to find then. And I was like, no, that's not the case at all. You <laughs> have message. to try. Another one of their clients said, well, you know what? Then we'll just do our own thing and we'll figure it out and we're not really going to use you anymore after the holidays or you know whatever they're deciding the plan is but like their dependency is no longer on that provider they are no longer you know taking their recommendations for what to cancel and what to save and everything else as bible they're just taking it as one data point and they're they are working a bazillion hours to try to catch up because they were relying like the company they were relying on to help them so much is unreliable. But then that's right. interesting because it sounds like mm-hmm. they are seeing, I don't want to be predicting this, but like, you know, what I was saying earlier about like, look, this, this is very successful. It's not going to go away. We need to be more prepared for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That implies that the merchant you're speaking about is also like potentially planning for, we hope it won't happen. But if this is now a new trend we have to prepare for, we're going to make damn sure we're prepared. Yeah. And this specific merchant, it's because of really good hires that they made a couple years ago from top technology companies that created their own machine learning tools for fraud prevention and really, really got good at the data. And they were in a very, very challenging vertical. The metadata was so critical Mm -hmm. and the tagging was done. You know, they learned so many lessons on that project. The people that they have there are the reason why, despite the fact that one of the two core fraud solutions that they rely on has just kind of, you know, in fact, that fraud solution never even identified, told them about it. Actually, they found it in a report and then they contacted me and said, hey, is anyone else seeing this? And I was like, oh, yeah, welcome to the club. Sardine is now sponsoring Fraudology, and one of the reasons I've been so impressed by Sardine is their founder, Soups Ranjan. You'll hear my full conversation with him in the next few weeks, and you'll get to hear about some of his experiences and his passion for fraud fighting for yourself. But the TLDR, or the high-level summary, is that he started out as a fraud fighter with an engineering and data science background, and he was tasked with quickly identifying a fraud solution for one of the fastest-growing companies in the relatively new and high-risk crypto industry almost a decade ago. But after learning about the available options for online fraud detection, he became frustrated with the existing tools on the market. And as fellow fraud fighters, I think a lot of us know exactly the kind of tools he was frustrated with. The legacy fraud tools that just return a score or a signal or a yes, no, 
maybe, without your team getting to understand all of the aggregated data or the value attributed to each data point that goes into calculating that score, or the vendor who won't give you your company's data for your own models, and their own user interface was probably an afterthought. And let's be honest, Soup wasn't the only one who's been frustrated by the status quo in fraud technology. But not all of us are able to rage quit our jobs, recruit a few of the smartest risk engineers we've ever known, and go build a fraud platform that is truly built by the fraud squad for the fraud squad. A platform for KYC, AML, and payment risk all in one product that lets the client company decide how to best use the massive amounts of data that's available to them. And that's pretty much exactly what Soups did a few years ago. And the result of those efforts has become one of the fastest growing solution providers in fraud that I've seen in many years. And that company is Sardine. To learn more about Sardine or to book a personalized demo, you can go to www.sardine.ai or just click the link at the top of the description for today's episode. come to my call on Monday. Yeah. And I said, Hey, is this from this? I knew they had who they use and they use two different providers. And I was like, Hey, is this from this provider or that provider? And like that provider, I'm like, well, that provider said they told another large company that they couldn't do anything. And they're like, well, that explains why that provider never told us about it. But they were doing just after action reporting and going, huh, that's weird. But the coolest thing is that merchant also provided some of the best data points to these groups. And because to they me, had to do all then, the work themselves. Because they had, yes, actually, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, they had to get scrappy and they had to roll up their sleeves because they couldn't rely on their provider. See, this is horrendous now, but in two years' time, this is going to be like a story that they dine out on and really enjoy telling. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's going to make, I mean, I already know how good they are in that team and, and at least one of them, their leaders, I've asked to be on the podcast back in September and we've even had a conversation about what they're going to talk about and then I have dropped the ball so I am like face palming now but if it's the last thing I do I'm going to be making sure that I promote them within this industry because they're brilliant and honestly could probably create their own solution so they but to your point they did a lot of the work and Mm. that's what a lot of the merchants I've talked to have been like we didn't know what we were getting ready for but we've been getting ready right we've been trying Mm -hmm. to study the yeah. new adaptions. We've been trying to learn about newer technology that's going to keep up with what the fraudsters have. We've been studying telegram channels. We've been looking at this. We've been trying to figure, you know, what what are the technology and processes and positions that we need so that we can be adaptable. So those are the ones who are, I mean, now granted, we haven't seen chargeback reports for these yet. Actually, there's a few that have gotten them from, the ones that were hit early have gotten them from September and October. But I can tell you that they know more details about these groups than anyone else, the companies that are doing it right. And the ones that aren't, you know, that are working on the weekends, I call it, it texting me at two in the morning on a Saturday. And, you know, I have my ringer off and they know that. So yeah, when I got this morning, I woke up at four and I was like, ah. I had two or three text messages from the middle of the night from from They providers. were working through the night. Because so they're like, working you know. through the night. Yep. And they're like, hey, heads up. This is more, this is happening. That's happening. So I'm going to get in real time and keeping it all straight. But I like I have been able to, and it's it's those commonalities, right? It's once a fraud analyst, always a fraud analyst, where you can for trend analysis. And it's like, huh, you're like the fifth person to say that one random thing about the type of device or the, you know, their naming conventions for emails or the email alias piece or what domains they're using or what type of phone numbers or are they using the victim's phone numbers or are billing and shipping being correct? Like there are so many different variables. And even though the tactics are morphing and changing into different pieces, and now actually there's a third piece that I haven't mentioned where, you know, well, there's several, but the core ones are obviously account takeover using stored credential or stored payment method. First, it was one of the bigger digital wallets on file and stored credits and loyalty points. Then it was whatever stored Visa or MasterCard, Amex or Discover they had on their account. And sometimes they would change the shipping address before it was shipped if they to go to the person who'd ordered it for triangulation mm-hmm. or one of these reshipping ports to send overseas. Other times they would wait to place the order and call customer service. And, and mm-hmm. I actually have had to do this once in re- like for a legitimate reason. Oh my gosh, I forgot to update the address that I moved to. Right, because you just moved. Yes. Because I just, I just moved a couple <laughs> months ago. Right. And legitimate customers do do this. Exactly right. Right. Legitimate Mm -hmm. customers do this. 
But these guys are also doing this because they know your system. They know that if they were to change the address before checkout, that it would be declined. But Again, if they like use the, the same billing and shipping address, and like I the know. research that they must have done to work out which merchant is which, and then like the clarity to have like, okay, right, this this has happened on this merchant, right? Team A, you're giving it to Team C yeah. now. Well, yeah. Team B, you you guys, you need to take it from Team C. Like, yeah, unbelievable, a hundred percent, yeah. And they know that other ones, even though they don't usually reroute packages after an order's been reviewed, well, for some of these legitimate situations where they call right away, it's not like they call once it's in transit because we're that doesn't work anymore, right? It's call right away, right before. Or the other thing is, for a couple of companies, they'll change it in the system right after they order it because they know that the shipping label doesn't ship, doesn't print for X minutes afterwards. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So they know exactly how it works, right? Is the company going to be shipping to the address that was on file at the time of checkout? Or are they going to be shipping to the shipping address that's on file, you know, an hour or two or three later? A company may not even know that, right? A a fraud person may not know that. But these guys know it. And you can tell based on the way that they're these slight variations, these slight adaptations and morphing that they do just to be able to adapt to each technology. And if a merchant has shut down all of these other things that, you know, by putting different prevention pieces in place, or if their provider has caught them all ahead of time, because, you know, there is a group of merchants that are very large brands that we would think would be, you know, we know their targets for it, that are like, I don't think we have this problem. (laughs) I'm like, yes, you are. And I'll give them all the data and they'll go hunt it for it. And they're like, oh my gosh, our fraud provider found it all already and stopped it. But And we didn't even know that they stopped it. And I'm like, well, the fraud provider should probably communicate that to you so that you know that you are a target for this. But, and that's happening too. And, and I happen to know the fraud provider and I know that that's, you know, what's happening and, and you know that as well. But the only reason why they show up to these calls is like, well, I just kind of want to be informed to see what my peers are seeing because I might see them at some point. Which is a great attitude, guys. Like, you know. Oh, continue. my gosh. Yes. Like, yes. 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 I mean, I will say when it comes to digital, I, I have kind of been protective of these because it's all physical goods. And I'm like, you know what? These are all the yeah. same. When and for obvious too reasons many, also. Well, when we get too many yeah. merchants that are outside of it, and I know they all want to learn, and that's part of why this podcast episode is existing, is because then it just gets too much all over. We can't focus on this one group. If it's like, oh, I've seen that kind of, but over here, like it's anomalies, right? For this type of thing, we just need to be like in a room with all the same people, what do you, it's, it's almost okay. like looking next, at bingo next cards, holidays, right? like, what do you have? Gonna, right? Next holidays, they'll come back with a digital goods variant. It's fine. They, they'll have their own call. Uh, yes, they probably, yes, they probably will. And then we'll help digital goods too. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just these slight variations and they're adapting like crazy to it. And it is a lot. But again, I can't stress it enough to at least try to prove my sanity that I not only feel it in my gut, I can prove that they're all connected, as can almost every other, well, I should say every provider that's been really good about either adapting to this quickly or finding it proactively, they all have the exact same solution providers. They all are seeing the same thing that I'm hearing. So I feel good about being able to say that. I just, because we can't show our work product and I can't prove how I know So badly, no, not on this occasion. Right. Well, yeah, it's hard because it's like, of course, I love to share information and I think I'm sharing all that we possibly can, but I think we both are sharing all that we possibly can. But there are some things that, gosh, if we gave those up, then we'd lose all competitive advantage. And that wouldn't be, not only would I be concerned about losing the trust of the people who have given me great pieces of little nuggets of information here and there and everywhere, either to validate, oh yeah, I heard that from someone else. So that must be more of a trend or, hey, have you heard about, you know, we have a provider that helps us find XYZ that nobody else does, but we're finding this consistency, like things like that. I'm able to do that. But like, if it wasn't for those merchants who trust me, I don't want to violate their trust and have them have to start all over at ground zero either. And so it's trying to say enough to let other people who may be experiencing this, who haven't been involved in these conversations with their peers to say, hey, what works? What doesn't work? What are you seeing? What are you not seeing? And I think we've got a pretty good living document now that's five pages of everything that people are seeing or who this organization is as far as their nationality and some of the other pieces of the puzzle and what the core commonalities are, as well as some of these other pieces for MO. You can tell that there are enough things that are the same that tie them together that wouldn't be random. 
right? It wouldn't be like, oh, that just happens to be the same tactic that this group over here uses, like not in combination. There's one thing I want to say before we wrap up. Yes, please. Which is that I feel like this has been very much something that ties people into the here and now because it's Mm. been like panic stations of many places. And I think that I really hope people can get together after the holidays potentially after January, because I don't know what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. But when things are a bit calmer, and there's this thing that R&D teams do called Better Next, which I think is a really lovely term for it, which is they make sure that after there is any kind of incident, you know, something breaks or something doesn't work as well as it's supposed to, whatever, they have what they call Better Next, which is to work out how you can do it better next time. Like, not in the sense of like, everybody sucks, this is terrible, you you know, it broke, but like, well, your stuff happens. How can we improve? Yeah. So how do we do better next time? Hmm. And I think there have been a lot of retailers who've done a really stellar job this time and have dealt with a situation which really was unforeseeable and some of that is because some of them were so good yeah like in in the same way that cybersecurity teams red team blue team yeah right Mm -hmm. basically fraud prevention teams like some of the larger ones have been doing effectively that recently yeah oh what do we do yeah and i would add and yeah right yes exactly right and like will this technology cover this or this and maybe exactly what happens if this one goes down yes oh and like some people are preparing more. And I think that we have seen that that does have an impact. And I think having individual teams have their own better next and having more of a collaborative mm-hmm. one to share what really works and what's worth it going forward is really, really worth doing, particularly mm-hmm. now in case this is the, the sign of a, a weather change. And this is something we need to be more on top of. Well, and because it's so successful, I think you and I both are concerned that this is a sign of a weather change. It's a concern um, when it, it works. It's, there's been worry. a lot. While there have been tens of thousands of orders that have been canceled, there have been a heck of a lot of them that haven't. And I will also say one other thing before really affirming that that's the best idea. I think it's such a good idea. The one other thing I didn't mention is when there is a merchant who is not able to adapt quickly, when there is a fraud provider that isn't able to adapt quickly, I have seen this group double and triple down on their website. They will exploit that loophole over and over and over again until I mean, they'll take everything, right? Fraudsters don't ask for budget. It makes so much sense. And I, I've had to say that to a couple of merchants who are saying like, why is this just so much? And it keeps growing every day. Like we're getting more and more and more, even though some of my peers are saying that we're getting, they're getting less and less. And I'm like, because you're not identifying it. Because you're not canceling them, because those orders are successful and they're getting more ratings on the marketplace or they're shipping more items to those reshippers, like they're doing a mixture of both. And I think it's when Mm -hmm. it probably depends on the amount of volume that they're getting from the marketplaces, right? They're not going to slow down if there aren't enough orders at the marketplace. They're going to, oh, well, we'll just ship it to our friend or somebody's sister's aunt's cousin's uncle, you know, that lives in this particular state that doesn't have sales tax because that is not all of the states, but most of them have that commonality. I'll share that much because there also are some states that don't have sales tax that aren't seeing this. So I figure like that. There's another component to that with states, but we'll just leave it there. It's an and thing, right? If they don't have tax and something else. But if they know they're, they're going to keep it. doing it, if they can, exactly they will. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as we said, they don't have to stop because they have a whole army of worker bees, worker ants, slave labor. Yeah. Yeah. So if they can, they will. So yeah. you need to work out what is making it possible and plug that loophole. Yeah. And I love the idea of better next. It actually, it's funny. I actually wrote down a, a different word. My husband is a product manager for. Fortune 100 company. I mean, you know that, but not everyone listening does. And he actually was just asked to do a presentation for a few hundred of the developers at in their technology department about retrospectives. And mm. it's a part of Agile, the Scrum Master, and it's a retrospective, right? So yeah. every time they do two week sprints, and then every two weeks, well, so throughout those two weeks, he has a, a page open, and I can't remember what system they use for their team, but it's like basically like digital sticky notes. And yeah. so developers can My husband in, used to work like this for a while. Yep. <laughs> During COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, digital stick, I mean, he's still doing it. He's still running the team virtually. So that's why. So they use like digital sticky notes basically to say, oh, don't forget, you know, next time we should do it this way, or next time we should ask the client this question, or next time we should do this and that. And then they have a call after that sprint to say, hey, what can, what's retrospect? What went well, right? What, what went well? What did we need? All that. 
what didn't go well and what can we do next time? Because there will be a next time. And so I love that idea. And as like the unofficial, you know, it's funny, I tried so hard to just focus on just consulting and solo projects for so long. And I just kept feeling pulled and I was pulled to really kind of be the the center cog of the wheel for a lot of e-commerce merchants. And I'm so grateful. It, it can be a lot of pressure and I am really needing a nap right now. But it's, and I, I mean, poor Shoshana, it is so late our time. It's insane. It's actually early in the morning now. But so we'll wrap this up very soon. But I, as the unofficial conduit, so to speak, of this, I mean, again, if a retailer is seeing this and you aren't looped into these calls or into this information, you can contact myself or my assistant. Sometimes my assistant is better because I'm all over the place, but I'm working on my mind map, <laughs> but you know, with the red string and the whole thing. No, I'm kidding. There isn't one, but there could be if you mapped out my head right now. But also for having that call, for having the retrospectives after the holidays, I think is critical, right? So I'm here as air support to, I kind of coined this and I feel like it's true for this more than ever, for this big battle against this giant enemy and this one common enemy. I'm air support for the, you know, people on the ground and the front lines. But I think we also need to have, you know, another meeting or it'd be awesome if it was in person, but I don't know how we could do that, you know, to really talk about like, what did we learn? What did we not learn? Because we're going to see this again. I mean, it is working for them. They have a pretty good percentage of odds right now as far as success rate because they keep morphing and adapting and they keep learning from the declines. They aren't just moving on to the next. They clearly have like a high level strategy team, right? As well as the yes, like the worker teams. Yes, I and I'm also so badly. Well, yes. So that's the other thing is that there are some steps and conversations I have had with some very high up officials within the U.S. law enforcement and federal that just getting this on their radar and putting it and teaching it to them, et cetera. I don't know anything for sure if they're going to pick up the case or anything like that, but I do know that this is something big enough to where that warrants the attention. And I'll be having guests on the podcast soon for that. I think it's also fair to flag that they care, right? Mm. Because I think sometimes mm -hmm. folks feel a bit alone <laughs> from that perspective sometimes. And I think mm -hmm. my, my impression is that like really they genuinely do care and would like and would like to help and are as horrified by the situation as any of your listeners. Well, and they know that, and this will be talked about in the episode with Ian and Terry, which might come out next week. I keep saying next week, next week, but like, No, gosh, but now it's got to be next week. Right? I know. No, it's like very irrelevant. Right. It's very relevant, yes. But also going to have two of the most senior leaders of two different, very large government law enforcement agencies talking together about some of the crimes and really like terrifying things from war to terrorism to human trafficking to child exploitation, that financial fraud funds, that fraud using stolen credit cards on e-commerce funds, that fraud targeting peer-to-peer -peer money transfers and banking and financial institutions and fintechs funds. And that they want to work with e-commerce companies. They recognize that they were not, their agencies were not prepared and not knowledgeable and not I don't know, it, the word Already? that keeps coming to my brain is, well, but just they were kind of apathetic. <laughs> and 15 years ago, I tried, a lot of people tried, but I think it was because there was lack of education and there was lack of federal support. And in the last few years within the US anyway, and I know it's happening in the UK as well. Yeah, whether it's, I, you know, I will, I mean, I'm biased, yeah. but I will give a shout out for the UK here because they you are should. Like They've really been... like well ahead on a lot of levels. And I, I know that that has not been easy and they have really invested in it. And there are some excellent people one of yeah. whom are actually quoted in the book now that i think about it there are really excellent people working very very hard to try and change everything from like the perspective inside law enforcement to mm -hmm. legislation to consumer education and like it is a massive task and they have not thrown up their hands and just mm. given up because they were daunted by the size of it they are and they're starting they're to fine. see some pretty impressive outcomes. I know there was a headline That's just today right. about, yeah, some one-time password bots that were shut down, which one-time password bots are also a part of this whole thing. They're, it's like phase or tier or whatever we're calling it, four or five. If MFA is included in your process, they have a department to get around that too. But yeah, I, it's really impressive what the UK has built. I don't think the US is anywhere close to that right now, but it's encouraging to see one country do it and see that it can start to pay off. I mean, it's been, it was a shaky start, but of course it was going to be. 
you're not going to attack right away. But yeah, so I am encouraged by that. I don't have anything for sure, but I will say that I will just continue to provide as much support and resources as I can in kind of being the glue that holds this group together and that hold consistent meetings for them to talk to each other throughout the holiday season. That's already on the books. And then after the holiday season, I think we should have a, a pretty large retrospective or better next kind of go over the document again and say, okay, well, what else did you learn or what else worked? And I think that there will be some companies that will be switching providers this year, and that will be music to some people's ears, not to others. Um, I think it's really important for those in sales who are still listening to this episode to know that it's important for you to know if your solution is you know, the right one or not. That is not something that I will tell you in a LinkedIn message. I Sorry, I, I get that sometimes. <laughs> like, hey, can you just tell me how we are compared to our competitors? It's like, I no. I mean, A, it's anecdotal. B, I don't want to be sued. And C, like, that's the kind of thing that comes out in an engagement when we talk about your go-to-market strategy. That is not, not a simple thing I can just reply to that way. But I think also internal processes though, right? Like yeah. also mm-hmm. merchants, internal pro- which is also honestly something that like- I Ask your would not- ask your current clients, right? <laughs> How good are we doing? Or look at their chargeback rate yeah. or look at their, yeah, look at their everything rates, right? Figure it out. <laughs> and from the, like, the perspective of this being also something that fraud teams need to be handling themselves in, in better next like what worked mm-hmm. this time what didn't work what did yes. we have to change not because it was wrong but because like now the situation's mm-hmm. changed we need to adapt well and you're right i think actually consultancy for that wouldn't be a terrible idea either well yeah yeah and i i have been working with at least two fraud providers i mean i already was before this occurred but i've been no, letting i, I mean know. for merchants Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Imagine Perm- being yeah. thrown into a really yeah. difficult situation that, you know, maybe some of them are not prepared for because it's mm. new and, and scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, yeah. For one-on-one merchants, I am definitely, through. yes, offering, I've been offering that and doing that. I think from the group perspective, for me, it's hard to charge for access to your peers. I know that that's something other people charge for. And I think there is a way to do that in a fair way, but I just don't want to, you know, and I may be working towards that. I think the universe and everybody who blows up my phone on a daily basis whenever anything in fraud happens are telling me something. But and I and I don't want them to stop, by the way, if that's one of you. But because anyway, one way or another, as much as my yeah. my family might be like, can it not happen on Thanksgiving? Can it not happen? You know, and we're on the way to somewhere. But, you know, everything else. I do feel that's an especial unkindness, actually, with that. This is bound to be on Thanksgiving. This is bound to be on Black Friday. This is bound to be over the weekend between Black Friday and Sunday. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. And family, you, we're recording around. this before Cyber Monday, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's also the challenge. Well, I mean, I was talking to a fraud fighter yesterday for a very large retailer, and she was like, my kids feel so neglected in November and December. And we, while we were talking, like her toddler was climbing on her and like talking everything. And she's just like, I get it. I remember I had a toddler during this time and it was hard because they don't understand. And I was, I was joking that I think, uh, you know, one day there's going to be group therapy for children of fraud fighters of like, my mom had to check every single app I downloaded. And my dad had to do this and this and this. And, and I never saw my mom during the holidays. <laughs> or she was always glued to her laptop and saying bad words. Like we, we were kind of joking about that the other day, like the things that our kids would say in therapy. <laughs> and yes, I'm going a little bit off the rail there, but I do think that they're just kind of circling back to your better next comment. I first heard you talk about it and I was thinking retrospective. I was thinking about the spec fraud trend, right? Like what did we learn? What did we didn't? Because they probably aren't going away in the ho- after the holidays, though they probably will slow down or they'll spread out, right? They might go into mm-hmm. digital goods. They might go into financial services. Services. Like this could be yeah. a thing for a while. I don't think they're going away until they're stopped in some way. But I think the other opportunity for that, and I almost see two of these or like a one day in person, which again, from a logistics standpoint, the retailers are all over the country in the US. And there's a couple in the UK that have been joining these calls, but mostly for their US sites. Oh, actually, and we had a couple from Australia the other day, which were awesome for their US sites. But Another one is going to be, you know, high level about this type of attack, right? I think like, so. I really, yeah, really I think, think so. I, I think that was what you were getting at that I wasn't yep. picking up yet was, you know, we need to get one kind of closer up and then one 10,000 foot view of like, yep. what can we do next time? What infrastructure can we build from a collaboration standpoint? Yes. Where we can communicate with each other faster, where you're not just relying on Carice to remember these random details, but like there's, you know, a working document or there's some thing that can help you collaborate on these specifics and and best practices and everything in real time where you don't have to wait every two weeks for a call 
in case this is a new reality. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not, you know, then we'll still be better and faster. So like, great. And if it is, then before the next holidays, please, Mm, before holidays 2023. Yeah. But to your point, I mean, I think there's going to, we're going to see it in gambling. We're going to see, I think we can see it in other pieces that will also be really challenging. But right now, because it's the holidays, it's physical goods. And I think we will still see some of this just not at the same scale, because if we see thousands of orders there, it's going to be harder for them to hide post holidays. Yes, but then you have to take into account the fact that looking at this operation, it's been at least nine months in the making, mm-hmm. maybe a year. So yes, they'll get through these holidays and they'll probably end up. And then they're like going to have a better next. And that, they are, right? <laughs> like I mean, that's it worked. So that's what, logically speaking, that, that's what you're going to do next, right? You're going to be, okay, right, holidays, holidays have come. So now everybody has to calm down. We can't keep hitting at the same scale because it will stop working and it might give people we can only hope Let's, that they'll give their we're going to slow down their slaves some slow down time but i i don't know right i mean they're probably not going to give them time off they don't have to pay for paid vacation they don't have to pay for health insurance they don't have to pay for that's how they're able to be so profitable it's how they're able to scale it's just i mean if i was that if i was oh, them right I, i'd be <laughs> thinking about of course uh, this your labor it's, right it's it's, it's it's awful what what being i know able. So hanging right, around right. We know it would never be you, Shoshana. It's but okay. <laughs> if I was them, I would be thinking, okay, which industries were not relevant during the holidays, but have something coming up soon afterwards? Yes, that was there, exactly there, where I was headed with that. Yeah, industries that I can think, of, which you know mm-hmm. might start to be more relevant, and then you know you have something for your your slaves to be doing, not at the same intensity, but you know mm-hmm. everyone's keeping their skills honed, and in the meantime, your strategy people can start planning. And start putting people to work to help prepare for what they're going to do next time the holidays come around. Mm-hmm. I really, really would like to be wrong about this. This is one of those times when I don't want to be able to say I told you so. Oh, I but never want to say I told case, you so in fraud. Like I don't, that in, never. In fraud, no. I don't want to be right. Kids, right? Yeah, right. Yes. But just in case. I mean, I off to them, but I don't want to be. <laughs> so just in case this is one of right. those times, I think it's very worth putting time into thinking how the industry can do better and collaborate tighter mm-hmm. and be prepared just in case this is a new reality that we're facing. Yep. On that cheerful note. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I... Shoshana, I cannot thank you enough. I mean, it is legitimately almost one thirty in the morning. I mean, we started talking about five hours ago, but you know, you were like, hey, we're talking about it now. Let's do it. And I was here for it because I'm, I'm home today, but it was all fresh. Yes, it was. And I hope that your children do not wake you up too early tomorrow morning. Fingers yeah, crossed. From your lips to their ears. Yes. Right. Let's hope. Right. Yes. Or, you know, I can send a little note to your husband if you want me to be like, let your wife sleep in. But already. Uh, I know. Well, when he wakes up. But of course he's like, yes. So but anyway, I thank you so much for talking this through. It is the craziest thing. There was at least another human on here to be like, she's not as crazy as she sounds. Like she actually might be right about this. Because I think that fraud fighters yeah. will love it. But I think that people who are are like, you guys have lost your damn mind. It just mind. sounds How crazy. Can you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's all in the data, right? It's all yeah. in the data. And when you've been in fraud prevention long enough, you know what data tells you what and you know where to go for this and how to do that. And and that's really what I've been able to do. And I'm just so grateful that I've kind of been the default person that's been selected where people are like, oh, crap, this is happening. I'm going to call Carice. Like even before I tell my CFO, what's which did happen once I was like, well, well, they're probably putting off that call because they don't want to give bad news. But it's totally reasonable. But also, I think yes. You really, really do need this. Like you need mm-hmm. to hear someone you trust saying, no, you're not crazy. I understand. And I've heard. Yeah. It. And you need to hear your peers going, yes, we see this too. Yes. And I and- have definitely had that over the last several phone calls. And, you know, whether it's been the group phone calls this past week or one-on-one calls with a few people, like I, I've gotten all that validation, which is why I feel confident to record this and put this out into the world. But it just, it is so different than what we have ever seen before that of course, I'm going to feel a little crazy, especially when I can't like say exactly how we know things. But I am grateful that our technology on our side has come such a long way in the last 10, even five years oh that we gosh, can identify yes. so much because this would ha- I mean, and so hopefully that will continue to happen. I know of some you know newer companies I'm very impressed with that are actually catching this pretty quickly. So, you know, I think that we just have to adapt. Imagine teams as well have continued yes. to evolve. Like some of the teams mm-hmm. who dealt with this so impressively on this occasion, like obviously would not have been in a position to do so four years ago. Like this, the evolution is ongoing and, and in many cases- Yeah, because their own, 
yeah, their own experiences are ongoing, right? And it really goes, I mean, not all fraud fighters, not all fraud leaders have the same amount of knowledge or capabilities. It's the same for, you know, technology. And I think that that's a whole other rant. But I think that the people who understand this business are the ones who should be interviewing for those positions. Because when I do come across a fraud leader who just doesn't know what they're, and it's not just in retail, it's all everywhere in all different verticals that aren't equipped for this, it's usually because someone who didn't know anything about fraud was the one that hired them. Yeah. But on the upside, there are so many people now who are in a position to make sensible calls that Mm -hmm. we really have such an impressively matured and experienced industry with some incredible professionals in it. Yes, and I am so lucky with challenges like them. Oh my gosh, yeah, and I'm so lucky to know that so many of them, and to know who I can go to to say, "Hey, what are you seeing here? Mm. What's going on over there?" Because I know that they have, because I know that they will not stop until every single thread is pulled. We all, I mean, you and I are those people, so we get it, right? You can recognize a likeness, right? Like we can recognize those people very quickly, or they're the ones who aren't afraid to turn over a rock no matter what's under it, even if the rest of the company is like, no, keep that rock there. Those are, you know, we're the troublemakers, but we can also be the problem solvers too at the same time. That is a genuinely positive note on which to end. I think it is, yes. We have amazing, yes, I agree, yes. We will end it on the fact that if it were not for some incredible humans on the merchant side, as well as the technology and the solution provider side, there is no way we would have known what we know, both what we've shared on this episode, probably two episodes now, and Mm. what we are and what we will continue to find. So if you are a retailer, again, you can reach out to me and I will try to loop you in on the very large list that is becoming my on my email, on my BCC for distribution. And I'll keep you posted. If you are a solution provider and you need more information, you can contact either Shoshana or myself. If you want to learn more from Shoshana, she has been on past episodes of Fraudology. You should also, if you haven't already, speaking of the holidays, ask your loved ones to purchase you the Practical Fraud Prevention book. Now I feel like I sound like, you know, I'm <laughs> on a commercial, but it, it does make a really good holiday book. I know people that ask for it for their birthday. One person asked for it for Mother's Day because it came out right around that time. And Shoshana can also be found on LinkedIn. And of course, I will put a link to her LinkedIn page in the bio in the show notes. And she has been doing some incredible work with solution providers to help get their message out and to help advise them as well. So contact both of us. I am officially ending this before we hit the two hour mark. But Thank you again so much, Shoshana. I am forever indebted to you. Thank you for being here. Always a pleasure. again to Sardine for sponsoring this episode of Fraudology and for supporting information sharing and collaboration across the fraud fighter ecosystem. You can learn more about the team and their mission at Sardine via the link in today's episode description.